0: Hello and welcome back to the Meraki Unbox podcast. My name is Sammy Brenner. I'm going to be your host taking you through today's episode and I can't wait to get into it and we have an awesome guest. If you haven't already done so, you know the drill folks, download and subscribe. We have amazing content coming out every two weeks and I know that folks listening are probably going to have a little bit more time on their hands. We're coming up on the holiday season You're going to want to go on a walk, maybe get away from your family for a second. Perfect thing to do is download and listen to the Meraki Unbox podcast. So go ahead and do that now. Um, If you have ideas or you want to contribute to the podcast, we want to hear from you. Uh, Hit up my friend at Meraki Simon on Twitter. Tell us if you want to be a guest, if you have an idea, ways that you want to contribute. We are all ears. And the more feedback and input that we're getting from our listeners – the better. So if you haven't already done that, please submit some ideas and feedback. But without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest for today. And we're gonna get into the fun part. So Julia Rockmore has been at Cisco Meraki for almost nine years now. She started back in 2012 as a contract sales recruiter. Then she moved up as a team lead, eventually becoming the senior global talent acquisition leader. So she supports four different VPs within Meraki. So that, that bucket is sales, marketing, operations, and strategy. And her job really is to help them hit their goals of talent acquisition. Uh, she resides in Richmond, California. She's a wife. She's a mom of four beautiful children. She actually grew her family at her career and throughout her journey at Meraki, so we'll get into that a little bit more too. But without further ado, welcome to the Meraki Unboxed podcast. Julia, how are you?
1: I am good. Thanks, Sammy, for the introduction. Um, thank you so much for having me. I am very honored to be here because I know all of the amazing guests that you, you've you had here, so hopefully um, I do the podcast some justice today, um, but I think- all is good. I have a
0: feeling that you will. And yes, it is our honor to have you on as a guest. I have worked with you personally at Meraki. I was telling you before we hit the record button, you have such an amazing brand and you've cultivated some and done some pretty amazing things at this organization. Not to mention, you've seen so much change at Meraki over the last nine years. So I can't wait to to get into it today and pick your brain.
1: Awesome. I, I look forward to it.
0: Let's do it. All right. So I asked all my guests this question. Let's start from the very beginning. Juliet, tell us your story. How did you get into recruiting? And tell us what brought you to Cisco Meraki.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna refrain from sharing dates because I'm gonna say I started recruiting when I was like 15. <laughs> but it's been many, many years of recruiting. And when I think about how did I how did I get into recruiting? Um, it just kind of fell on my lap. And I will have to say that I have yet met a recruiter that said that they grew up wanting to be a recruiter. I think it's one of those things where you realize you love networking, you love helping people, you love learning um, and making those connections. Um, And so for me, at the time, I worked at Bank of America as a teller, a bank teller, Uh, while I was in school. Um, And then once I graduated, I had the opportunity to move back home. So at the time I was in Southern California, moved back home to San Francisco and worked out of the the main branch in downtown San Francisco. So I think working in that banking center and also having some visibility just with the corporate office kind of led to my recruiting career. Um, So I noticed there was high turnover within the teller role, just based on like training tellers up you know uh, about six to eight months later they were leaving the role and I remember having a conversation with my manager at the time and I probably owe owe it to her as to how I even got into recruiting but I was trying to brainstorm with her I'm like what's going on why are people leaving like we're training them up we're spending all this time they're you know they're really great at what they do but they're out the door like less than a year um, so not long after that, she she pulled me aside and she was like, you know what, HR has reached out to me. They want me to be part of this Teller tur- Turnover Greenbelt green belt project. Um, and I'm standing there like, what does that mean? What is it? And she was like, well, based on our conversations, are you interested in stepping in for me? And I'm like, all right, sign me up. I don't know how I can, you know, contribute to the conversations, but happy to do so. And she's like, everything that we talked about, the feedback you've shared with me, just you know, based on your observations, share that with the team. So I joined this project. I remember walking into uh, a meeting, and it was a bunch of like HR professionals, recruiters, and that was like the first time I was ever exposed to to this work. And I was just like blown away by the conversations from, you know, what are we hiring for? What are those skills? Why isn't it working out? What do we need to change moving forward to ensure, right? That there's longevity um, in this role um, and create a positive experience for the employee and the organization. And I walked out of that first meeting and I went back to my manager and I'm like, I know I'm a teller today, but I think I wanna be a recruiter. And I think you kind of manifest it. I put it out there in the universe, and timing is everything. Um, The corporate office in Los Los Angeles, the Bank of America team was hiring a recruiting coordinator. Um, So I interviewed for that role, and that's kind of how I started my journey in recruiting.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So it really was kind of like a spark of inspiration where you kind of got pulled into something, and then you're in this meeting with folks from HR and recruiting, and it just captures your attention and you're like, okay, there's something here for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, also having an amazing manager who was like, I see this, this is an interest of yours and there's an opportunity for you to get more visibility, more insight. Do you, you know, are you interested in, in stepping in? So I think if it weren't for those conversations, you know, just also the support of my manager at the time, um, I don't know if I would be where I'm at right now. So I (laughs) I probably should be reaching out to her to thank her. (laughs) There you go. Well, and it goes back to good leaders, right?
0: Figuring out what fuels and drives your people and what, what excites them and then leaning into that with them. And it might not still be on your team, but the whole goal is to promote you. And she did that within B of A, which is really cool. So you got this recruiting coordinator role um, at Bank of America. Now, how did you jump over to Cisco Meraki? How, how was that transition?
1: Yeah. So I, um, after, how long was I there? I've lost count. It was a couple of years of, of being in a recruiting coordinator role. After B of A, I actually went, I joined an agency for five years. Um, and during that time, I uh, was dating my now husband, who is based in San Francisco, who brought me back home and if you were to ask my mom, she was like, oh my gosh, it took a man to bring you home. We wanted you home this whole time. So she always teased me about that. But I came home to be closer to now husband and family. Um, And so I was searching for uh, opportunities in the Bay Area. Um, And ironically, a friend of mine, um, who I also worked with at Bank of America was a recruiter at Meraki. And so I connected with her and she was like, Julia, you gotta check out this company. It's a tech startup. Um, we're actually hiring. We have a a sales recruiting happy hour, which Sammy, I know you're probably very familiar with. She was like, just, you know, uh, meet with the team. And I'm like, you're crazy. I know nothing about tech. Like, I don't know what I can bring from a recruiting perspective, but hey, it's a happy hour. You'll be there. I'd love to catch up. So I went to the event, um, learned a little bit about Meraki, but more so really got to meet the people of Meraki. And I was just blown away by by the individuals that I got to got to meet uh, through that event. So that's kind of how I was introduced to Meraki, and then from there went through the interview process, came in the office, saw the whole you know startup vibe, was blown away by it, um, and started off as a contract sales recruiter for Meraki. Wow! And you came
0: in in 2012. Was that right before the acquisition? Was it right after?
1: It was six months before. So I believe I, drew, I joined June of 2012, and then we were acquired in December. So right before we got acquired.
0: Wow. Pre-acquisition. Okay. Love it. <laughs> um, so that's very cool. And the story behind how you got into recruiting and how you kind of landed at Meraki. Let's fast forward a little bit. Now you are the uh, global talent acquisition leader for those four departments that we talked about before, which is amazing for those people listening who aren't sure, like what is, what does that entail? What does that title mean? What are your priorities? What does your day look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as a talent acquisition lead, I actually have the pleasure of leading a team of talented sales and business talent consultants, AKA partners, AKA what we know recruiters. Um, And they play you know, a significant role on Meraki's growth, um, while also having the opportunity to partner with our business leaders uh, to drive their people strategy. So when we talk people strategy, you know, that includes um, understanding their business priorities and what are the skills um, through those priorities that they need to grow and scale their organization. So of course there's, you know, the hard skills, which shows up differently for the teams that I support, whether it's, you know, marketing, sales, operations, data science, uh, finance, HR. Um, but it's also, is you know, what, what does it take to be successful in the role from a soft skill standpoint, right? Like, how do they align to our Meraki values when we think about, you know, everybody in, simplify everything, care deeply, be brave? So, we take all of that and we understand what are the needs, what are the skills, and I partner with our our recruiters to go back out to the market and ensure that we are bringing the best talent into the organization uh, to allow our business leaders to grow and scale uh, their teams. Mm,
0: yeah, thank you for diving into that. I love that you touched on hard skills versus soft skills. Have Have you seen that change in the last you know decade? You know that you've been in the business and kind of recruiting. I mean, it. I think a metric that we used to measure all the time on was hard skills, right? Especially for sales, it's pretty black and white. You know, did you hit your number? Are you driving metrics? Talk to us a little bit about like that soft skill portfolio and how are our senior leaders leaning into this more um, or, or looking at that metric just as much as almost uh, hard skills are a factor.
1: Yeah, great question. And, and I think, you know, sales is, is a good example of that, given there there's clear qualifiers to be a good sales rep, right? I think previously we were looking at quota attainment. Where are they ranking? How are they ranking, you know, amongst their team? Um, do they close? Right. Are, are they coming from a technical A sales background, and that's definitely evolved over time, even when we look at the profiles we hire, right? We're not hiring people from tech companies. We have folks who came from the wine industry, who came from recruiting, um, and now are in sales, right? Um, And from a soft skill standpoint, I think it's those transferable skill sets. I think before we were looking at the hard requirements what does it say on paper? How does that translate to the role? Now we're able to really understand what are those skills what are those qualifications and what are the transferable skill sets that can lend from you know again wine sales into tech sales um so that that definitely has uh, i would say evolved over time and that is the partnership with our business leaders to really understand when you say you know you want someone who has worked for um work with a partner why is that right so when you dig into that it's because they have strong relationship um, building skills, right? And so that's when you start really digging in on the soft skills rather than the hard requirements on on a job description or on a resume. Hopefully that that makes sense.
0: That makes total sense. More
1: to that, right?
0: Yes, Um, that makes total sense. And and something that, to your point, I completely agree with. When I am hiring, you cannot teach grit and tenacity and a go-getter and a hunter mindset, right? Like you can be a rep that got lucky at a company and hit 150%, but if you just want to phone it in, I'm not interested, right? So it's like that's that that skill set that's um, the intangible that you can't necessarily get from a resume.
1: Right, right. And that, that all goes to how we run um, our our interview process, our hiring process. And again, being really clear on what those skills and qualifications and attributes are Um, again, rather than, you know, what we see just on a job description.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's pivot a little bit. And this is in line and we've had actually Jessica Gilbert on this podcast who heads up the DNI focus at Cisco Meraki, but DNI is something that we talk about a lot within Meraki, within our organization. Absolutely, when we're hiring, right? How do we create a more um, diverse bench of candidates, and then how do we make Meraki the most inclusive place to work? Um, let me ask you, how is recruiting thinking about this as we, you know, bake it into our hiring strategy, and do you have anything measurable that you're looking at now, you know, as a recruiter Recruiting organization to make sure we're hitting certain marks?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, shout out to Jessica Gilbert. She's an amazing partner. Um, so really appreciate just all, all the work that she's done and just the, the partnership overall. Um, from a TA standpoint, I think there's a couple of things that we look at, right, when we when we are thinking about bringing in, you know, a more diverse recruiting strategy, um, I will say first and foremost, it's not one person's job. It's not one person, you know, one team's job. This it has to show up on all levels. And I think that's what I really do appreciate about the work you know we do at Meraki. It shows up within TA, yeah, yes, IND, our PNC partners, our business leaders, you know, all 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 the way to the top. And and I think that's really important that we are aligned um, and we are working on this together. Again, it's not one person or one team's responsibility. Um, So specifically from a talent acquisition standpoint, you know, we are always looking at our hiring process from how we post a job to how we reach out to candidates, how we interview. Um, So not to get all technical (laughs) on the call, but, you know, when you think about job postings, we run all our jobs through a tool called Textio, um, which helps us remove biased language through a job posting. So it's important that we're running every job through there. When we look at our interview process, right? um, You know this well, Sammy, we have a structured interview process and that includes uh, predetermined interview questions, right? Along with rubrics so that we can ensure that we are providing a fair and consistent process that again, removes bias. We're not asking what we'd like to ask, right? Based on, oh, the college that person that went to, I went there too, right? So we're gonna directly connect. Or they play the sport that that I'm into, but really, again, based on those, um, the predefined skills, attributes, and qualifiers, how are we providing questions and rubrics that are tied to the role Um, instead of, again, uh, on things that we'd we'd like to ask um, because you're immediately connecting with that person based on familiarity, right? And I think, again, this overall helps us fairly assess the candidate and their uh, whether they are, you know, aligned to to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other piece is just the ongoing partnership with our amazing EROs, um, investing in emerging talents so that we can bring, you know, more diversity into our talent pipeline as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talk to us a little bit more about that. I think that's something that makes Cisco and Meraki very unique within the industry, within the market, is our employee resource organizations or groups, whatever you want to call it. We have so many Um, There are so many folks within the company who are actually involved in them, right? And I do believe that these uh, employee resource groups create, help create that inclusive environment, which I was touching on before. Like, how are we, Cisco Meraki, making sure that not only do we have diverse talent, but that's only half of it. How do we, once we get them in the door, how do people feel included? Because that's when they're going to stay. So are there any... um, measurable metrics around, you know, engagement within the EROs and uh, creating like a more inclusive environment? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm just curious if we have like data behind it.
1: No, that's a really great question. And and I can definitely speak for my team and just the, the expectations we have of, uh, of each other when it comes to really educating ourselves, right? So I, I think when we when I look at our EROs or ERGs, it's definitely evolved over time. Like I can say from my own personal experience, I originally would join ERGs that that reflected me, right? Whether it's women in Meraki, um, our, our CAN network, but now we are trying to encourage, and we are encouraging, and and I think I'm seeing this across my team, to join ERGs and arrows that don't necessarily represent or reflect you so that you can learn. I think that's most important, right? Like stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping outside of what you what you are familiar with and learning about different cultures, you know, different backgrounds. And so one of the expectations that we have um, within my team is that every quarter that you are attending um, an ERG event, that you're part of um, an ERG and bringing that that education back to the team. So we have weekly meetings and we are sharing any learnings around that. And how do we build that into um, our recruiting efforts as well?
0: That's so cool. I want to start doing that with my team. Like join, join something that's different outside the box and then come back and report on it. What did yeah. you learn? Yeah. Stretch yourself. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to ask you a question, and I think this is a myth that you need to help us debunk here. A yeah. lot of folks think, okay, I am not in the tech industry. I want to get into the tech industry, but I am not technical at all. Maybe I was in to your point wine sales, or mm-hmm. I came from, or I was a teacher, right. Or I worked in, you know, a completely different field and I don't have those resources, but I want to make the jump and I want to get into tech.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is it possible? Can we do it and help us debunk that myth?
1: Yeah. I'm a good example of that. I will put myself out there and hopefully I don't get myself in trouble, but I am the least technical person (laughs) I am learning every day. Um, And I when my friend came to me right about Meraki and, and that was my first response. I'm like, I'm not technical. I don't know what I can bring to the organization. I know recruiting um and I definitely want to debunk that right there are there are ways and opportunities to get into tech without being technical and I think the idea of like oh I have to be an engineer you know to, to to join companies like Meraki is 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 untrue like I think specifically when I think about the teams that we support right when we say you know um marketing uh operations um my own you know our own organization around talent acquisition and recruiting um I know I'm missing out on on other teams, but there are many, many departments within Meraki that don't require the technical expertise. Yes, there are, you know, technical, there might be some roles that, that require that, but not hundred percent. That is not true for all roles. So I want to encourage, you know, like folks to lean in, check out the roles, have the conversations, um, and, you know, don't be, what's the word I'm looking for? um, Intimidated buy those job postings. I think the best thing you can do is apply and have a conversation with the recruiter or, you know, if it's not a fit at, at that time, understand why. Um, but you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you, you kind of lean into it and, and ask the question. But there's so many opportunities within within the tech industry that does not require a technical background. And again, I am a good example of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Amen. Preach. Same here. I came from a polling company, which was tech, it was SaaS, but I didn't know a network and I had to learn it from the ground up. And when I first started, I was like, oh, these people made a huge mistake. I don't (laughs) know what a switch is, but look at me now, right?
1: Well, and (laughs) I think that's the amazing, amazing thing about Meraki, like that is our culture to learn, right? And, you know, in addition to the training that you that's provided to you when you join the organization, it's just ongoing opportunities. Whether it's lunch and learns, you know, whether it's learning directly from your team members, this podcast is a great example of that. Like, there's there's so many resources that will help you be uh, successful in your role, regardless of you know having that technical uh, background.
0: Yep. If you have, if you're a candidate out there listening or a hiring manager or someone thinking about, you know, applying at Cisco or Meraki, if you are sharp and, and, you know, intuitive and you are a quick learner and you're hungry, like, absolutely do not, you know, be intimidated by the fact that this is technology because you can learn. And we provide so many amazing programs, resources. Julia, you were talking about Ignite, right? Like a 2 week, basically, onboarding where it's a crash course in networking. So, lean into that and don't be intimidated because you will learn. Um, so thank you for for debunking that myth. Absolutely. I want to talk to you about the transition that's happened uh, over the last two years. It's been kind of wild, right, in this post-COVID world when we think about recruiting. I mean, first, there was a complete hiring freeze across the industry, yeah. Right, no one was really moving, and then all of a sudden, I think we've seen a big shift in the market where there's a ton of people moving, finding new jobs. I keep hearing when I'm talking to other managers, it's a candidates market right now. Right, there are so many job opportunities out there. My question is around, you know, us as or folks out there who are hiring, um, how do we source candidates more effectively? Um, how do we kind of partner with recruiting Are virtual events still a thing? Cause I know we're not doing our happy hours yet. Like how do we attract, uh, an amazing candidate pool when there's so much competition out there right now?
1: Yeah, really good question. Um, and I'm all about like the human approach. I think we, we need to lean in right now, right? The market, yes, it's it's a candidate's market, but it's a very different market from you know a year and a half ago. And we need to really understand like what is most important um, to individuals as they're looking to, you know, join an organization. I think that's one piece of it. Um, but I think the other piece too, like our hiring managers, our leaders are one of our most valuable partners when it comes to finding great talent. Like they are our best talent magnets. Um, and I think we can all agree, right? Market is hot. We're all getting reached out by recruiters. And while I will always appreciate my fellow recruiters because we, you know, we we are good at what we do. Uh, but I think that connection and outreach from our business leaders go a long way, right? Again, it's that human interaction. It's not about just like applying to a portal or you know responding to a LinkedIn message, which you should, because you know there's great conversations behind that. Candidates, Um, but I think you know candidates do appreciate hearing from from the hiring managers directly, right? And really learning about the opportunity and the team. I think it it really goes a a long way. Um, So I look at it as I I think in sales, right? There's ABC: always be closing. I think for us, it's when it comes to building our talent pipeline, it's maybe ABR, ABN: always be recruiting, always be networking. I think you know. Our our business leaders are, um, whether they are in front of amazing customers, clients, um, they have probably the most robust network based on previous companies they come from, you know, folks that they've interviewed previously that we can, you know, connect with. I think that there's just so much there. And again, it goes a long way when we can directly partner uh, with with our business leaders around, around hiring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I love to always be recruiting. That's my that's my new motto. And it's it's so true like I had half my team get promoted basically this quarter and it was the relationships I had cultivated, right? And building that um, you know, bridge and reaching out to certain folks that I got candidates hired so quickly. So I live and die by this now, because as a manager, there's nothing worse than having to backfill and have open seats, you know, within your patch. So you want a full house of candidates. You cannot stop thinking about recruiting, even when you do have a full team, right? Because things change so quickly.
1: Yeah. That's why you're an amazing leader. Uh, Uh Congrats to you to to hear just all of the movement within your team, positive movement. Oh, thank you. Well, I
0: I didn't even pair to say that, you guys. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Well, I want to talk to you, too, a little bit about like what's going on in the market right now specifically because recruiting is on the front line. You know, Meraki was very much a hub centric and a hub focused culture, meaning, you know, we have our San Francisco office, London, Sydney. Now we have our Chicago office, um, you know, and, and we had the, the inside sales org especially thrived off of that in office environment and COVID obviously turned that on its head. And you know, now I know we're starting to have discussions about coming back to the hub. But what about, you know, hybrid work or those candidates you talk to who do want to stay fully remote? Like how what is Meraki's approach um, as as we're you know making plans to go back in the office, but we're still in the midst of this pandemic. Can you kind of shed some light on on our approach as a company and then what you're also hearing from candidates?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, as we're we're speaking to candidates, I think the trend there, like flexibility is really important right now, right? Um, And whether that's the ability to work, you know, 100% remote or have the opportunity to come into the office, um, there are candidates who, you know, benefit from working remotely based on how different the working world has been, you know, the last year and a half, um, and but there are also candidates and you know employees, as we know, who crave and miss that day-to-day interaction with their colleagues. So I think from a hiring standpoint, it is important that we, as you know, hiring managers, um, are very clear on what it means to be successful in the role, regardless of remote or, or in-office. Right? How does this um, How does this structure support the project scope? What I'm hiring for? You know, how do we ensure that we have the same five star experience when we are remote or in office? I think those are things that we need to be very clear about before we go out to market with with the with the role, right, with an opportunity. Um, you know, ultimately, people are looking for work life balance, um, but I also think some of us can say that even working from home has hasn't really solved that. I mean. I think that five-minute break that I would have in the office to grab one of the amazing snacks I have now interrupted by my two-year-old, who's like, "Mom, can you play with me for the next five minutes <laughs> right before my next meeting?" Um, but we we do need to learn, lean into that, right? And what what are those needs? I think more than ever to ensure that we have a positive employee experience overall. So clarity on on what what is expected of that role what does that mean for the individual, you know, if they are remote or if they're in office before we we start recruiting for, for an opportunity?
0: Mm-hmm. And to your point, like making sure that that candidate's experience is a five-star experience, whether they're in the office or yeah. remote, right? How do we provide... Um, equity in that experience that they're having, whether they're in the office or outside the office, because there's benefit to both. And I think, you know, you saying flexibility is something Mm -hmm. that we're keeping top of mind and working with that hiring manager and figuring out what that role really needs is going to be crucial. It's not a one size fits all approach, right?
1: Yeah, no, you're so right. Equity, regardless of, you know, where you sit, that's a really good call out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this, okay. I've been dying to ask you this question and I'm super passionate about it. And I would say within my friend group or with my girlfriends, even some of my, you know, my homies, my guy friends, I always talk about negotiation uh-huh. the power of negotiating your offer, why it's so important, especially when you're jumping to a new company. Like I'm just super passionate about making sure people in general, but women primarily negotiate. And I remember, I'll share this with you. I was years ago, uh, probably back in 2016 or 2017, I went to a networking event and there was an executive, a female executive at LinkedIn who got up and spoke. And she said, I can look at a payroll sheet and you can blur out the names and I can go down the list and I can tell you exactly who a woman is versus a man is because the men negotiate their offers and the women don't. And that line was like, burned into my head. And I was like, "Uh, uh, I don't like it. Like we need to stand up and change this. And so as a, you know, someone who's been in recruiting, you've been in the game for a long time, provide our listeners, some tips, tricks, a talk track around getting your offer, right? You go through the interview process, you crush it, you get the offer. Mm -hmm. How do you negotiate? And, um, you know, what, what does that process look like? I'll open it up to you.
1: Yeah, I I think first and foremost, I want to remind folks that recruiters are your advocates. We are your people. We are here to help you through the process. I think there's sometimes um, this idea or perception that, I can't say too much to recruiting because I may or may not, you know, get what I ask for because it's too much. Like, again, to your point, I think us uh, as women may have a tougher time in doing that, but just remembering that your recruiter is your advocate um, and our priorities to make sure that, we are setting you up for success for the right opportunity. And with that role and, you know, compensation in mind. So be open, be transparent, have those conversations. You know, when we ask about comp, um, whether, you know, it's in the screen or throughout the process, it's really to make sure that there's alignment with what the company can offer for that skills and qualification. So I think that's that's an open door to have that conversation again with, with the recruiters. Um, I also encourage candidates to really understand the offer. Right, make sure that you understand what entails, like not just the salary, right, but what is a full offer? If um, as far as the opportunity, and then if there's bonus equity, right, like what what is the full package? Um, and I think from there, once you have a better understanding, it allows the candidates and also who see their recruiters or their partners to have an offer that they are excited about so i think in summarizing that it's it's having that transparency and partnership with your recruiter knowing that we are your advocate um and and having those conversations like knowing that we are here to support you through that journey because the the i think it's most important for us as recruiters that you have a very positive experience in your hiring process, but also as you enter the organization that you are excited and 200, 200% bought in and ready to take on this next role, right?
0: Yeah, question for you, follow up question mm-hmm. is, um, should the candidate be bringing up compensation early, like before the interview process even starts just to make sure that you're in the right range? Do we wait? What's best practice around that?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely worth bringing it up sooner than later. Right. I mean, it it doesn't have to be that first call, but definitely should be brought up um, before the final stage. You know that just so that there's alignment on expectations. I think one of the worst things we do is is waste our candidates time. Right. Like we don't want to get them all excited about an opportunity, go through the process and then you learn at the final stage, it's like, oh, the, you know, we're, we're not aligned from a comp perspective. So definitely bring bring that up as early as you can. Um, and again, the re- just as a reminder that we, as recruiters, as the business, we are not here to, I don't, I don't want to say undercut, right? But like to undercut anyone on compensation. It's just to make sure there is alignment on those salary expectations, um, and that there is alignment, and you know, and and you are feeling good about what you're stepping into as you're going through the interview process. Does, totally. does that help?
0: Yes. It makes sense. You want to mitigate surprises. Yeah. Here, here's yeah. another thing too. I think a, a bit is a misconception that I want you to set the record straight on
1: mm-hmm.
0: is especially for some of my you know female friends is if they ask for more, they feel they're they're worried that the offer is going to get reneged or they're going to seem ungrateful or that they might, you know, mess up their opportunity or their chance. If you go back and you ask for more, even if it's a no, is that,
1: does that hinder a candidate at all? Absolutely not. And it should not. Right. I think, again, I, I think there's this perception of if I do ask for more, it'll work against me. And it is important, I think, to and this goes both ways that recruiters are partners in this in this process, right, with our candidates, and we're ensuring that there's alignment on both ends from a business and candidate standpoint. I would, I would definitely have those conversations. I would definitely ask. And I think, again, you don't know until you ask. And just ensuring, I think, based on the relationship you have with your recruiters, be honest, be transparent. And I think our role as a recruiter is to go back to our business leaders to understand why is this individual asking for more, right? And aligning that back again to the opportunity, to the skills that this person is bringing, what the skills this person is bringing into the role, rather than they just want more because they heard it pays more in the market, right? And so I think if we understand more of the why and the business justification around it, that allows us to have a, a conversation with our business leaders around the ask.
0: Okay, I love that. So tips and tricks, know your why, yeah. come in prepared, express your value and, and and you know, kind of the number that you wanna be at early. And, and really come in with a story, not just, well, because I heard it was more. No, you need to sell us on that value, right? What is what is the why behind that number that you're asking? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, hopefully that was helpful. I learned a lot. And you heard it here first, folks. You can ask. Ask for more, even if it's a no, right? You, you won't look back and have second regrets. And I think that's something that a lot of folks are just scared to do. So it's so good to hear you say that does not, that's not a mark against a candidate through the interview process. It should never be. Should never be. Okay. Love it. Learning more every day. So this has been such a fun conversation. I'm going to ask you one more kind of call to action question and we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much again, Julie. I've had a blast. Um, How Mm -hmm. do we, for for folks out there who are very inspired by this call, they might be outside of the Cisco Meraki organization, they might be at Cisco saying, well, this is so awesome, now I need to jump over to Meraki. (laughs) How do we prepare our candidates to show up best in the interview process? What is something that you see or a common maybe pitfall that candidates walk into or that you see a lot as a theme within recruiting that you could kind of give some coaching or guidance around.
1: Yeah, and and I apologize if I sound like a broken record, but I I say this because we definitely appreciate and it it means a lot to recruiting to have that connection and partnership with our candidates. And I think, and I'll go back to saying that Recruiters are your partners. We are your advocates. We are here to help you to ensure that you are coming into the right role for you. Um, and if you decide to join the organization, that it's the the best experience that you have through the interview process and once you're with the with the organization. So recruiters are your advocates. We want what's best for you when you join the organization. Um, and I think in doing that, it, it helps when candidates are open, you know, and they're transparent about where they are, right, in their process, uh, in their decision-making. And that way it makes the whole process feel more personal and less transactional. Again, like humanizing the interaction. Um, I think, again, reminding, you know, folks that we are people too, and we are here to help you. You know, we may, Rocky builds products, but we're not products, we are people. So just like really humanizing that and that partnership, and just reminding folks that we are here To ensure that you have the best experience overall not only in the process but once you join the organization so again that transparency and partnership from beginning to end is is it will go a long way and i think one of the most exciting things that we see too as recruiters is once someone joins the organization, seeing them grow in the org and they come to us, they're like, Hey, I remember that chat that we had. I know we had some tough chats or I had some concerns around the process and had it not been for that conversation we had, I don't think I I, I would be where I am today. And that's so rewarding for us. And I think that's one of the many things I will say I love about recruiting, about talent acquisition, um, is one, like seeing someone, join organization and continue to grow and thrive, uh, in the role that they're doing. Oh yeah.
0: That's gotta be so gratifying, right? It's like the fruits of your labor paying off and seeing people get hired and be really, really successful and start their careers here at Meraki, which yeah. I've seen so many folks do. So, and I want to highlight, you're really saying as a candidate, lean on recruiting to help you be yes. prepared for the interview, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think, um, one of the the things we do right every we we set time with candidates to prep them for interviews if if it's a, a request from a candidate we will take the time because again we want to make sure that you are prepared you feel good about what you're stepping into um, and that's just you know one of the many things that your recruiters can provide you so lean in partner with them let them know what you need you know and it's a two-way street right and i think that partnership is key yeah.
0: Open mouths, get fed. That's my favorite. Oh, get fed, yes. you want it, you gotta ask for it. So take the initiative, set up the time. We have an amazing team who's here for you and wants to help you and see your success, right? Mutually. Absolutely. Oh, love it.
1: Julia, that that's a wrap. Thank you so much Is for being <laughs> This has been amazing. Thank you, Sammy. I appreciate you for you know giving me the opportunity to share more about myself and Talk about, you know, our amazing talent acquisition team. Um, So hopefully this is one of many.
0: Yes, come back again. Don't be a stranger. And it's, it's amazing to highlight female leaders on our podcast who are showing up in our organization, living our values, making such a big difference. So I just want to thank you. Um, And that is a wrap, folks. Tune in. In two weeks, we'll have a brand new episode of the Meraki Unbox podcast. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. I am so extremely thankful that Simon took a risk on me almost a year ago now and gave me the opportunity to highlight the human element of networking. It has been such an honor and a pleasure joining and helping contribute to this podcast. So in the spirit of being thankful and gratitude, I want to give a huge shout out to Simon as well. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, have, take some much needed time off and we will be back in two weeks. Take care.